everyone. Well, welcome to the eight. We are, you just entered into part three of a series. So if what we're talking about doesn't make 100% sense, it's as if you're walking into a movie right in the middle of the movie and not fully understanding the whole thing. But let's just recap real quick the past two Sundays. The very first Sunday of our series titled, Just Pray About It, we talked about that let's look at prayer not as a rule, but as a tool that empowers me and motivates me and pushes me to unite back with my divine designer, our Heavenly Father. Last week, we talked about how, like, sometimes it, we get stuck when we know what to pray. We say, uh, Lord, bless me, or we don't know what to say. And one aspect of prayer that we can utilize is have a prudent prayer. We looked at an ancient manuscript from uh, the year around 700 B.C., where King Solomon says that the wise person, the prudent person, sees danger and takes action. He takes refuge. But the passive person, the simple person, the naive person is just living life and just does whatever he wants and then pays the consequence. But the wise person understands that life is connected, that everything he does will naturally reflect itself somehow down the line. So our focus last week and in our life group discussion was for us to be prudent in our prayer, for us to say, Lord, help me to see danger coming a mile away. Help me to have clarity in seeing that and then empower me to take action now so I, don't avo- so I don't fall into that trap before it comes. Today, I want to get down to the meat of the title of this series. Just pray about it. And we were very intentional about calling it Just Pray About It. Because many of us look at that title, say Just Pray About It, we think of it as uh, Get Out of Jail Card Free. What? Get Out of Jail Card for Free. Whatever the saying is. We see it as like, oh, you know, when somebody's talking to us about an, like an issue, oh, well, you know, just pray about it. You know, should I do this or that? Well, just pray about it. And we just say it's a thing to kind of end a conversation, and we just throw it around very passively, and we just say, just pray about it. Just pray about it. But moving forward, before moving forward, I would love to share a quote from one of my favorite books. The book is called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And Stephen Covey says this in his book. You can't talk your way out of problems you behave yourself into. You cannot talk your way out of problems you behave yourself into. That if if I I behave in a certain way that put myself into a trap, then I can't just talk my way out of it. There has to be action in order for me to get out of this trap that I put myself into. Well, now I want to one-up Stephen Covey and add this for our series. You can't only pray your way out of problems you behave yourself into. You can't only pray your way out of problems you behave yourself into. I have made this mistake, and it's super easy for us to make this mistake. Anyone that labels themselves as a Christian, that we make a mistake, let me pray about it. Let me pray about it. Like, forgive me, I, 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 I don't mean this in, 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 a, in a, like, I don't want this, anyone to take this in a very personal way, but so I'm going to date this person or go out with this person or it's okay, he'll change, and, you know, and then we find out that I made a horrible mistake by dating this person and then we say, well, let me just pray about it. Like, God will change this person. God will get me out of this problem. I'm sorry. If, 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 if I put myself into this action, there has to be an action for me to get out of as well. And I cannot 
only just pray about it. 100% I got to pray about it. But sometimes we see it as just like an easy thing for me to do. Let me just pray about it. Okay, I put myself in this situation. I got myself hooked onto some type of drug, some type of habit, some other addiction. Let me just pray about it. Okay, well, maybe there needs to be an action involved with the prayer. In our ancient faith, and our pre-denominational faith of Christianity, and in our prayers that predate the Bible, there's something that we say right now in the season of Lent, where we have this refrain that we, we traditionally sing during communion, where we say, blessed are those who have mercy, who give to the poor and fast and pray. Who give and fast and pray. The church is reminding us, saying, blessed are those who, the, 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 the hymn is not, Blessed are those who pray. The hymn is, blessed are those who, who give, fast, and pray. The church for 2,000 years has continuously reminded us not just to pray about it, but to act on it, to modify habits, modify diets that supplement your prayer. That it's not just pray about it. Give, modify your diet. There's a holistic approach as I continue to walk to my heavenly Father. A lot of us, I'm, I'm talking to myself, that we use just the, 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 the easy way out. Okay, just pray about it. Just pray about it. And I might even say it to myself. I might make mistakes where I feel, you know what, let me just pray about it you know, to get myself out of it. And because I don't, you know what, I don't want to really have that really uncomfortable conversation with my wife. Let me just pray about it. Or, like, you know, I, I have this situation at work, but I don't want to, like, you know, confront it. It might be awkward, and it gets, I don't want to do that. Let me just pray about it. Irresponsibility can look like this, where I just tell myself, let me just pray about it. When in reality, I'm just using it because I'm irresponsible. I'm irresponsible. Irresponsibility is super, super hard to see in the mirror. Irresponsibility is super hard. If someone comes up to you and says, you're very irresponsible, all of us are going to do this. We're naturally going to think of that one time where we actually we were responsible and we stepped up and we did this. Because it's so hard for us to see it in our mirror. And maybe for some of us, one manifestation of our irresponsibility is that we just say, well, let me just pray about it. Instead of acting and praying about it. What I would love to do now is I want to share a story from, from Jewish scripture, from the book of Joshua. But before we jump into this passage from the Old Testament, there are two groups of Christians. There are two, two, two groups of Christians. I want this to be in your head as we now look at this passage. There's one group that are called the super-Christians. Super-Christians are ones that always hide behind prayer and mask our responsibility behind prayer. Let me, just, let me just pray about it instead of confronting this person. But instead of having this difficult conversation, let me just pray about it. Those are the super Christians. I'm not kidding. I know somebody that doesn't live here at all. That he went to church for every single service. He was part of this huge Orthodox church that had service every single day. So he was always, the guy would finish work and always go to church every, every single, single day. And the priest would tell him, dude, you need to stop coming to church. The reason why the priest told him that is because he was leaving his wife and his kids at home. And he was saying, well, I, you know, I want to pray, I want to pray. Okay, but your prayer needs to involve action as well. 
You need to go and submit and serve your wife. You need to be there and be present with your kids. You can't just always be praying about it. There has to be action involved. In reality, he was escaping his wife and his kids. He was trying to get away from that. And we said, well, let me just you know, pray about it. And the priest said, no, you, you need to go home. So there's one group of Christians that are the super Christians that just hide behind prayer. There's another group of overly compassionate people. Overly compassionate people. That regardless of you, you share a story, you're always, like, this person that's always overly compassionate, well, you know, he's had a tough background, or, like, you know, he probably didn't mean that, or, you know, you're, you're, you always come up with a creative excuse for whoever that is, whatever they do, you always have an excuse for them, because you're super compassionate. Keep those two groups, the super Christians and overly compassionate people. And now let's jump into the 13th century B.C., where we have God's chosen people, the Israelites. They have escaped slavery, and they are on their way to the promised land, which God promised is for them. And they're on this huge, long journey back to their homeland. And Joshua now is leading the group. He's leading two to three million people back to the promised land. And as they're going to different regions, they're fighting different battles to, like, to get back to Israel. So they're in one battle in the city of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. And God made it clear to them, okay, you see how easy I made it for you to win the battle of Jericho? But there's one thing you have to do. You cannot touch any of the stuff that is in Jericho. That's not yours. Like, I'm helping you out and making you win this battle super easy. But none of the stuff in Jericho is yours. None of the stuff in Jericho is yours. Like, I want you to keep the stuff there. It's not for you to touch. Because I want you to understand that I'm the one that helped you win. It was not you. So for you to understand that none of this stuff is actually yours. So I'm teaching you a lesson. I'm holding your hand for you to understand what you have is not yours. I don't want you to touch anything. You've won the battle of Jericho, but I do not want you to touch anything. There was one guy that decided, you know what, no problem for me to to shove the, the, some jewelry in my pocket. We're in Jericho, man. We just won the battle. Let me just put some stuff and just shove it in my pocket. This guy was named Achan, and he decided to take stuff. Moving on. They won the battle of Jericho. They're now moving to a city called Ai. They're now moving to the city of Ai, and this is where we pick up. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel, and told them. So just pause. Like, this is history. This is history. Like, for us, like, Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, like, that's, to us, it's whatever. But, like, the author is now wanting to give imagery and give a geographical location of where this is occurring. So the people that are reading this, the Jews that are reading this, centuries later, are like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. That's, like, right in there, right off 75, right there next to 280. They know exactly where that is. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up, like, go spy out that city of Ai, the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. So Joshua now is telling a group, hey, like before we all like travel, like all three million of us go travel to Ai, go check it out. See, is it really big? Do they got high walls? Like, is it, is it dangerous? Go check it out. So a couple of spies go, and they come back to Joshua, and they say, you know what, it's a super, like, super small town, a lot smaller than Jericho. Like, we don't need the entire military. 
Like, we don't need to wear them all out. We don't need that many to go fight the battle in AI. Send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not worry the whole army, for only a few people live there. So about 3,000 men went up, but they were rooted by the men of AI, who killed about 36 of them. So the spies said, man, we don't need that many. Just get a few, we're good. They get there, they get a beatdown from the people in the AI. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. Again, th this is history. This is giving geographical location. People knew exactly where the stone quarries were. So the people are running, the Israelites are running. They thought they could take down AI. They ended up losing, and they're running their way out of the city. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The ark of the covenant was a representation of God's presence with them. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. This, like, their actions is a symbol of they're completely stressed. Where are you, God? Like, you made us win an easy battle in Jericho, and now you're making us lose to a rinky-dink town of AI? What, like, what did we do for this to, to occur? And they're, like, Joshua's tearing off his clothes. He's like, where are you, God? Why would you abandon us? You're with us for this city, and now you're nowhere to be found here. And he's completely stressed out and questioning, where is God? And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? Why did you make this occur? Why did you allow them to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say? Now that Israel has been rooted by its enemies. Like, Joshua's giving it to God. Like, like... God, why would you even, like, why couldn't we just be content in staying where we were? Like, why would you bring us all this way, make us win the Battle of Jericho, and then you allow us to lose? Like, why would you even do that to us? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. This is Joshua continuing to talk. Like, the other people in other towns will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Like, Joshua's reminding God, like, now, now, like, now we're the weak group. The other, other tribes around us, they're going to come and beat us down. Like, we're the laughing stock of, of the area. What are you going to do about it, God? The Lord said to Joshua, I love this. You would think God would respond, Joshua, I have heard your prayer I, your sovereign Lord, will deliver you out of hardship. What did God say? Get up. Stand up, Joshua. What are you doing down on your face? This is God. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. Joshua's like, them? Israel has sinned? What are you talking about? We kept your commandment. Oh, Achan stealing uh, stuff when we were in your, That's Achan. That, what do you mean? That's not us. What do you mean Israel has sent? Well, we've been keeping your commandments, God. What are you talking about? Yeah, Achan, he's the one that, 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 that put some things in his pocket when Jericho, when you told him not to, but, you know, that, 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 that's him. That's not my responsibility. That's him. Like, he, he knew the rule, but he didn't want to listen. He's the one that put it in his pocket. 
God's saying, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I, God, will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. God continues, go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel, you group of people. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. I love this. Joshua poured out his heart in prayer. Like, we can relate to him. Where are you, God? Like, why would you allow this to happen to my life? Like, what did I do to deserve this? Like, why have you completely abandoned me? Like, what happened? I love God's response. Get up. What are you doing? This is not the time to pray about it. I need you to get up, and I need you to take action. You clearly know the commandments. Don't isolate yourself from Achan. Don't say, oh, that was just an isolated event. Don't tell. He is a part of you. You guys are a body. Yeah, yeah, you, there might be two and a half million of you, but you're still one body. And all of you are responsible for each other. This is why God said, Israel has sinned. You guys have done this. God, God made it clear. He didn't say Achan. No, he says, all of you guys as a group. He says, I want you to reconcile. I want you to fix what you did. I want you to consecrate yourself. I want you for you, you group of people to be set apart. You are not ordinary people. You are extraordinary people because your heavenly father is extraordinary. You are a divine group of people because I am divine. And I want you to correct this. I don't want you to just pray about it. I don't want you to say, Lord, I made a mistake. Lord, have mercy. Glory be to God. No. God says, I want you to go fix this. I want you to, 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 to step up, go back. And I want you to return the things. I love what God. You cannot stand against. Wait, 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 uh, where do you say? Oh, sorry, going back. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies. You cannot win. You cannot be victorious in life. You cannot find the fullness of life unless you submit yourself to what I am saying. My question for us, are you hiding behind prayer? Where there's an itch inside of you, yeah, you know what, I do need to have that conversation with that person. But you, you say, you know what, let me just pray about it. Maybe it will just go away. But maybe there's something inside of you saying, you know what, I need to own it. I do need to, you know, I'm not going to email about it. I'm not going to text a person. Let's meet up. I need to own it. I know what God is requiring of me to do. And I know what's the right thing to do. And I can't hide anymore behind prayer. I need to act on it. Are you just praying about a situation that you acted yourself into? That you made one decision that led to another decision and looking back, yeah, maybe it wasn't the smartest idea to do that. 
but now you're just praying about it? Are you just substituting prayer for action? Forgive me? That is irresponsibility. Substituting prayer for action is irresponsibility. Both have to go hand in hand. But it is so easy. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my biggest struggle, one of my biggest struggles as a priest, it is so easy. Like, it's for me to just do things without praying, but praying and acting have to go together. And it's so easy. Oh, you know, I'll just pray for, you know, that, uh, that things get better in my marriage. And we pray, you know, things are better with the kids. Okay, well, why don't I take action? Why don't I go talk to a marital counselor? Why don't I get advice? No, no, let me just pray about it. Is that pride? Is that irresponsibility? You don't want to share your private issue with anybody? I'm sorry. That's pride. It's so much easier. Just say, let me just pray about it. Let me just pray about it. When maybe God is telling you, get up and do something. Why I love our ancient faith so much. Because what I just said, what we're talking about here, what God made clear to Joshua, the church has been delivering that message for 2,000 years. Every time, I've mentioned this before, every time before we read the gospel in any service, we take 40 seconds to, to say a prayer before the gospel. And we pray, Lord, make us worthy to not just hear, but to act on what we're about to hear. Lord, make, us, make sure that we don't just passively hear. Make sure we don't just passively read. Make sure we don't just passively pull up the Bible on our phone or, and just passively read it and say, glory be God. No, make sure that I read it and that I act on it. Also for 2,000 years, at the end of every service, after we have united and grafted ourselves into our Heavenly Father through communion, the priest says, Now may the love of God the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son, and the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you. Get out of here. The priest says, Go. You have now been equipped you have now been grafted into our Heavenly Father. Now God abides in you. Now go be Him outside. The, the priest is not saying, oh, have a great day, you know, enjoy lunch. No. He's saying, go. Now, just as, just, as, just as God told the disciples, okay, now go and spread the word. Mark, you go to Egypt. Thomas, you go to India. When, just as he said that, he didn't just say, okay, go, have a great day, you know, be careful as you step out. No. When the priest is saying, go, he's saying, now you are equipped to continue to be the light outside to others around you. Let me share a story. I put it on the slide coming up because I know you're not going to believe me at the story, so I had to like, put the text because I know you guys are not going to believe me. One man that wanted to find the fullness of life and wanted to have that intimate relationship with God, that he pursued God in asceticism. And he established a, a movement, the monastic movement, for all in the entire world. And the pioneer behind this for the entire world, for all of Christianity, for, for the monastic movement, is in the name of Anthony the Great. His name is St. Anthony. And it was around the year 300. And he had this encounter with someone that came to him in the monastery. I, I just, th to me, this is highly entertaining. A brother said to Ava Anthony, so I'm, I'm putting the name of the book so that way you can believe me. A brother said to Ava Anthony, can, can, you, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? The old man who was, who was St. Anthony said to him, I will have no mercy upon you, nor will God have any, 
if you yourself do not make any effort and if you do not pray to God. <laughs> you guys would beat me up if I told, you told me, pray for me. And I said, uh-uh, you pray for yourself. <laughs> but this is what St. Anthony, St. Anthony, we take tremendous pride, a pioneer of the monastic movement who was Coptic himself. People asked him, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? I can just imagine that ring is can you pray for me? No. You, you, you pray for yourself. I'll pray for you for sure. But you have to step up. You have to own up. And you have to pray yourself. Do, do we, should we pray for others even though they're not praying for them for themselves? Of course. Because prayer is outside of time and space and works outside of the dimensions of life that we know. 100%. But there is synergy involved. I 100% as your spiritual father prays for you. But I want you to pray for yourself as well, and you pray for me. And this, think about it. Every time we begin any litany, anytime we begin any prayer, the priest says, okay, let us pray. The deacon says, okay, make sure everyone is engaged, everyone stand up for prayer. And I say, okay, peace be with you. And you say, and with your spirit. There's this continuous synergy and, and bond that exists between people who follow Jesus. And it's not an isolated thing. We're just up, you know, everyone is praying, we can all sit down. Or, no. It's all of us praying together. Are you hiding behind prayer? Let me ask you this. If you're trying to figure out, am I just hiding behind prayer instead of taking action? If someone heard your prayer, if someone heard your prayer, would they say, well, you know, that guy is, if someone heard my prayer, I'll put it myself, if someone heard my prayer, would they say, well, you know, Father Nathaniel's actions actually don't match up to what he's praying about. Like, that's, that's weird that, you know, Father Nathaniel will be praying about that, but his actions don't, don't match that. His actions don't seem like that's, that's going along with his prayer. Ask yourself that. If someone heard your prayer, would they say, well, that guy's action is not matching what he's praying about. Do I want you to pray? 100%. But I don't want us to hide behind prayer. There needs to be action. Don't fall into the trap of, oh, well, you know, it's God's will or it's meant to happen. No. Maybe there's a little push inside of you saying action is needed. Maybe a counselor is needed. Maybe getting advice from someone. But maybe that requires for us to own up and say, maybe I'm just being irresponsible. Maybe it's my pride that's blocking me from, from me being isolated. Maybe I do need to lean on someone at church instead of just saying everything is fine, thank God. Maybe I need to stop hiding behind prayer. At St. Mark Church, we have three core values. And our third core value is for us to become the light. It's for us to become the light. I mentioned it today after liturgy. I don't want us to be a, 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 a big church or the richest church. I don't care about any of that. I want us to be the friendliest church and for us to be the light of him. If, we, um, if I'm pursuing him, this light, and empowered and recharging myself on Sunday, then I continue to be his light outside. The last thing I want is for us to be a closed group in this room that's just stuck in these four walls. And then we just go and live our life as whatever, and then we come back and do it all over again next Sunday. This is where we recharge as, as, as a group, as people who follow Jesus and follow the ancient faith, and then we go back out and become him outside. We become an icon of him. 
just as somebody might look at this icon and, and say, yeah, that's Jesus, through your actions. I'm not saying for you to preach. Through your actions and how we step up, maybe they can say, you know what, there's something different about that person. My prayer is for us to become his light and not hide behind prayer, for us to step up in our marriages, in our relationships, in our conflict, at work, and instead of us just hiding behind our screens and hiding behind prayer. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, it is super easy for me and for all of us to just, yeah, yeah, I'll just pray about it. But maybe what's really required of us is to act on it and for us to step up. It's easy for us to just hide behind prayer. But Lord, just as you told Joshua for him to get up and tell him, this is not the time to pray, this is the time to act. Maybe God is telling us to do the same. Lord, all of us are at different stages of life and, and have different hardships. But maybe what's required for, for some of us is for us to take that step and seeing a counselor of getting help instead of just saying, let me just pray about it. But help us to realize that both go hand in hand. Just as our ancient prayers say, Lord, make us worthy for us to hear and to act and execute on your word because it's in you is where we find the fullness of life. Through the prayers of all your saints, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.